0: Great joy and good afternoon my friend, the Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming. Centering your mind and delight on The Art of the CEO, the show that brings you the most fascinating and most helpful leaders in the business community from every little corner of our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymous Bosch of Business. And this very hour, we are going to save you a whole batch of money and anxiety in a way that you are probably ignoring. My friend, there are two kinds of gold in business. There's actual revenue, and there's management information that leads to even greater revenue. And a good accounting team can feed you both, and I'm going to bet 10 cents of my own money, that you are not taking the very best advantage of those folks on your accounting team, those quiet numbers crunchers who can give you the information you need, if only, if only, you will work with them. So... How are you going to learn to grab all that gold? Well, by the sheer good grace of the Indian god Ganesh and all other commercial deities, we have a veteran CFO and accounting wizardress, Miss Eileen Zathalas, to lay bare just how the big players employ their their accounting teams and how you might grab hold of some of their methods and go for a wild-growth sleigh ride. So, whether you are a graphics artist in a publishing firm with a big idea that you want to engineer, but you're wondering about its financial worth, like Joan is, or you're a founding CEO of a mid sized recruiting business, all eager but wondering if you can expand into new regions, like Jim. Just pull up your chair a little closer, join us in this feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined, to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Eileen, I'm so glad that you could come back with us again and join us with your ledger full of insights today.
1: Oh, thanks so much, Bart. I always enjoy our conversations. I really appreciate you asking me in
0: oh this is, well it's always fun. We always have a good time now Eileen uh there there really is before as as we get, get going here, there's one really vital question that that all of us truly need to know concerning the accounting realms, and that is, are all accountants nerdy? I mean, you know, the old joke is that an extrovert <laughs> accountant is someone who goes to a party and stares down at someone else's shoes. <laughs> so, is this all <laughs> false stereotyping, or is it really true?
1: <laughs> it's mostly false stereotyping. <laughs> because oh, I've known okay. some really delightful CFOs and accountants, and, you know, I I think if you if you have the personality and you use it in the industry, the industry rewards you.
0: Oh well, that's that's true. What a good personality does. We had Howie Cohen on here, who's uh, who started. Oh gosh, some of the larger accounting firms. He's now advising Wells Fargo, and and uh, he is just. Plain fun. He's like you, and, all the, and we've had a lot of fun together. We've shared many a bottle of wine and great wisdom, as I recall, over the years.
1: <laughs> yes, we have over the years.
0: <laughs> so, so life life goes well. So, so don't be taken by this stereotype, my friend. Anyway, <laughs> uh, now moving on into something that maybe uh, couldn't couldn't be less important than, than all this blitherman, uh, Eileen. You have after really, I guess, eleven years as director of. CFO Consulting Partners, you stepped out on your own, and you started the nerdy bookkeeper plus, and you've sort of gone from being a, the, the CFO from several large and complex firms right on to sharing your, your expertise with the mid-sized market. Just what do you hope to bring these middle market firms?
1: I hope to bring them to acquiring the knowledge that the large-sized firms use to manage their businesses. And the metrics are just so important, and they're even more important today because our world moves so fast. So if you look at a great chart of accounts that, you know, you can collapse it down to get them really meaningful highlights, you can do a great job of managing your business.
0: Oh, boy, is that, is that true. And I love the idea of it, like collapsing it collapsing it down, because we all need to distill, and, and otherwise we're just going to end up boggled. Uh, well, with that teasingly tasteful nosh of today's Feast of Wisdom, allow me now to fulfill my duties as proper host and lay before you a few utensils for furthering our feast. And first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you rise and become an upstander? I mean, fearlessly standing up for and proclaiming those ideals which you personally believe. Or will you continue to be a bystander and merely nodding in approval or disapproval appropriately at events in the way that you feel, that you think Others should feel you. You should be responding. The choice, my friend, is truly, truly yours. And as a second utensil, I can sense you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from the 102 best business quips. So I am pulling it out here, off the shelf. Okay, here we go. Ah, uh, okay. Here's one. This is this is number 38. Uh, Our project manager is a genius at gathering consensus, particularly when you consider how bad are the decisions he's getting us to support. (laughs) My friend, the goal is not to have everybody pulling on the same rope, but but to have them pulling on the right rope. And, you know, sometimes you just really do want to listen to that dissonant voice on the team. He just may be pointing you to a profitable path that you all should be taking. Just a thought. And if you smirked a bit over that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit partsbooks.com and pick up your copy of 101 Best Business Quips or 102 Best Business Quips, and you're going to find your own witty self centered in the attention of your fellow laborers as you lift their day with a little levity. (laughs) And as a third utensil, uh, we sumptuously spoon out to you the answer to last week's business quotation and uh i, I think eileen will find this particularly appropriate that is the name of the author who suggested if at first you don't succeed take the tax laws with those words were spoken by none other than the founder of, of the digital broadcasting giant mda america kirk patrick congratulations all the winners. And stick with us because later on in the show, Blurting Your Way, comes yet another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and email it right off to info at com. That's INFO at bartsbooks.com. And if you're correct, your knowledge will earn your mind, soul, and career an igniting gift from the dungeons of Barts Books Bookstore. So, with all these utensils in hand, let's, you and I, continue hitting the books with veteran CFO and founder of her latest adventure, the Nerdy Bookkeeper Plus, Miss Eileen Sethalis. Uh, Eileen, you know, I think most of the folks... uh, you accounting as, as a chore to be accomplished. They don't really see it as a window into the very company. Now, you as a CFO, you've spent a lot of time washing that window and allowing companies to, to get a better picture of themselves. So if I'm a, a, a mid-size manufacturing firm and I'm anxious to grow, what kind of things should I be getting from my financials? What do I want to see in my financial uh, in my management report?
1: I think what you'd like to see in your, in your financial statements to begin with is if you have a great chart of accounts that gives you really valuable metrics, for instance, employees are typically the most important expense that you have, and they're also the most expensive. Right. But you have to make sure that you've captured every dollar that it costs to have those wonderful people on your floor. So you want to do that, and that's, I always do a review of the chart of accounts to turn it into a management chart. And the other thing that Uh, I do is I pattern the management report similar to the managed discussion that goes into every SEC filing where they discuss plans for the future. uh, Did they stay in budget? If not, why not? The competition, plans for growth, It's, it's just a great way to help you focus again. Everybody, you so know, you're going to put, for
0: instance, I talk about the competition. You would put it. You you would not just say, oh well, we have competitors. You would put the numbers down and stack them up against mine and and see how. And so I, we could make some real uh, strength and weaknesses comparisons, right?
1: Right. And that it's easier. That is easier said than done. So if if sure. you know if you're, well, if your competitor competitor is not publicly held. You know, you'll have to do some digging to find out, but you can find out from sales reps. You all do business with the same companies ah. many times, you know. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, sure. so y- y- you have to learn to get gather business intelligence.
0: Right. So it's it's not just jotting down numbers that are at your face. It's it's digging and finding out real. So you're not finding data. You have raised the quest to find facts and thus truth, right?
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Um, oh, and very good. Now you you mentioned uh a whole lot of you, you mentioned employees just a little bit ago. Let's let's say I've got uh, uh I'm a let's say I'm a service firm we're, I, we're all consultants, all right? And I've got about 50 employees and they're all dealing in with separate clients. They're all bringing in money. Mm-hmm. How would you give how much you you as as uh handling the accounts of this how would you give me an over me the the ceo an overview so i might capture the real employee value
1: i would that's where i, I take and divide the payroll into uh-huh. the people who produce and those are the consultants that are out there working right. and i would put every dime into a little employee section for consultants uh-huh. only and I would break. I would be able to break it out by the names of the consultants, and then you have a good idea of how much everybody's producing. But just that number, when you first look at the at the income statement, and you see, right. okay, you have income, and then right below that, you have what it costs to generate that income.
0: Ah, uh, so you're going to tell me how, how not only how how much Sally. Versus Henrietta is making. You're going to tell me what I what what each of those 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 lovely consultants is, is costing me, and uh, and how much she's producing. And if I were an employee, I would be scared to death of you, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> you're, no, you're going to reveal a lot way. of things about me that I may not want to. <laughs> that i numbers. I know I don't necessarily want to be seen. The,
1: the objective is to get the production up. Yeah, that's well, the whole. I, I, that's the whole premise. That's not a witch hunt. The whole premise. And that's Get the production that's why,
0: you, why you do accounting in the first place. We, that's it. We're not here to, I, That's you know, this is very good. This is a quill pen moment that I, I think we really need to take. It's a timeless truth that Eileen has just spoken. So I'd like you to take out your quill pens, dip them in your inkwell, and scribble this down that accounting is not logging in numbers past. Accounting, the goal of accounting is to bring your Numbers your productivity and your sales up. That's what it's for. And if you're not using it for that, my friend, you're you don't you're going the wrong way. So thank you, Eileen. And if you've just you're joined welcome. us, you are listening. Ah, you are listening to the Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the profoundly misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download this episode and all others by visiting. The Art of the CEO. We're on many online and regular radio stations, but the easiest way to find all our episodes, just visit The Art of the CEO. Now, uh, Eileen, this is one, I'd, I I'd, I want to take advantage of, of your expertise, going right forward, to because there's something that'll, there's a lot of confusion, I think, here. A lot of folks, we, we, we know the terms, uh, but we don't know the duties. So, I was wondering if you could, sir, I'd, I'd like to sort of Work our way through the accounting ladder, and you could give me uh, if you could give us a definition and the duties for. So we'll start. I I thought we'd run through bookkeeper, accountant, controller, comptroller, CFO, maybe investment banker. I don't know, but anyway, let's start with bookkeeper and accountant. What What's the definition of each, and what are the duties?
1: Well, the the bookkeeper prepares the books and records that are used by the company accountant. So okay. It's quite a bit of work because they have to do the bank reconciliations and the credit card reconciliations and everything. Sometimes an accountant does that. It it depends on how the company structured it. But with the accountant, it's a little bit trickier because they provide financial information to management by researching and analyzing accounting data and preparing reports. Such as what? Um, Such as the the P&L, such as the balance sheet so and then the the controller maximizes return on financial assets by establishing financial policies procedures controls and reporting system and this one is really important because this is where so many closely held companies are really it, it's i don't want to say they they don't do a good job of doing this they don't do a good job no, the not controls. they don't they don't have written financial controls. advice
0: or they're not giving any financial advice
1: no they're they're given financial advice what i'm saying is so many times when there are problems within the accounting it's because there's no policy and procedures and controls
0: okay okay they have to come and set things hands down right
1: yep absolutely
0: well, now, I've always think of as, as a controller and a comptroller as a difference between uh, governmental and private. Is that right?
1: Pretty much it's used that way. It tends to be government for a comptroller. Yeah, but yeah. there are, oh. on a rare occasion, there will be a small business who, you know, has the title comptroller, and they may have the, res- the responsibilities for doing all the accounting tasks for the business. Right. For the larger business, you know, we always think of the comptroller as a manager, and that happens in larger businesses.
0: I see. And, okay. And in
1: any size business, the comptroller prepares information to help with strategic financial planning.
0: Okay. Well, now, the then we move up one to the, the really the top rung of the ladder, the chief financial officer.
1: Well, the CFO what? role has changed a lot over the years and especially over these oh, past yeah. 20 years because mm-hmm. they used to be just stuck with just the numbers and now right. they're involved in decisions made for the strategy for growing the company. Um, they report directly to the chief financial officer in many companies the, the board chief, of the C- directors. C- the CEO. Right. The C- yeah, the chief executive. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, yeah. Um, and he directly or she directly assist the chief operating officer on all strategic and tactical matters as they relate to budget management, cost-benefit analysis, forecasting needs, and the securing of new funding. And actually, so it sounds as as if, well, well, back well, in it 2009, if, just, I had the perfect COO. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah.
0: Tell us how.
1: Yep. Well, I, I was at a client in uh, Irvine, California, a big developer, uh-huh. And a right. big landowner, and the COO and I, we worked really so well together that we were able to help them really start to turn the company around when I left.
0: Oh, boy. That's very. It sounds as if what you've got is the CEO's right-hand woman or man uh, in the sense that all the decisions are the, the the chief executive officer makes are done with his elbow leaning on one chair and bending over and saying, "Is that right, CFO? You do you agree? Is is that kind of what I'm saying? Both the yeah. long and the short term, right? Is that is that right?
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. That very. Hmm. When when that relationship is working well, the CEO, the CFO, and the COO, right. you have it. You can disguise the, the limit.
0: Right, that's just, it's the recipe for success.
1: Lots and
0: lots of good planning. Yep. Oh gosh, I thank you for running through that through that that little primer for us. It's it's <laughs> really very very helpful, and I and I, I think I, I, as as I as you pointed out, the duties that show what they need. Well, I know, um, I I've heard you say that uh, that one of the things you have to do. When, when you come in as a cFO or, or even or as a consulting agent, you like to build out the finance department uh with these various uh, positions and individual so if i if i'm let's let's say i'm a, a i don't know a five million dollar company uh and i hire eileen sethalis to to reshape my finance uh department uh how how would how would you build out my uh, finance department now, th- what, what responsibilities would you make sure get
1: covered I would make sure first and foremost that there were procedures and policies and records of how you do things uh-huh. so that it becomes consistent because a lot of the smaller operations because they're understaffed are, are not as consistent as desirable so that's yeah. a big one to get accurate numbers
0: yeah, well just accurate and and so we all are reading this that everyone from a diff, from different departments is all reading stuff that makes sense to them, I guess.
1: Yes, easily exactly. translatable. Right. And and you know, if somebody's out sick, you you have a guide as to what that person was doing.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of siloed information that happens in mid-sized companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, well,
1: it's so, well, okay
0: support, now with it's
1: okay. Go ahead. Well, oh. I wanted to add that you know when when you have the policies and the procedures, they're they're good habits, and you know many times it's really beneficial to hire an HR person. It's actually vital today because the law just is so stringent, and it could ruin many of a good person. You know, many of a good firm. So yeah,
0: yeah. And that's, that's very true. That, that, right. So you've gotta have you've got to have the those bases definitely covered. Well, with our our pockets sort of jingling and our entrepreneurial energies all churning from uh, Eileen's 1,000 revelations, uh, I think it's time to to pause, take a brief sorbet from uh, the Feast of Wisdom, and it's time for me to present to you the company by whose good graces we're here today, and that firm is Leadership USA, specifically uh, the up and kicking off Greater New York Area chapter, an organization which is... uh, eagerly devoted to unleashing human potential. Now, just for fun, imagine, if you will, you're sitting at a table with all businesses' top masters. I mean, the real players. These are the individuals who are literally given blank checks by Fortune 100 CEOs across the globe. And continuing the fantasy, imagine that you are a part of a special club, and these folks, these profit-making mentors, come to you, and they share their wisdom with you and your entire staff. And nice size half-day seminars and to top it all off all this productive training is rolled out for your team at less cost than a local Chamber of Commerce session. Well that is exactly what uh, Leadership USA is doing for you and your firm if you join up and if you are interested in learning more about uh, Leadership USA, and particularly the New York chapter, which is holding its kickoff breakfast on December 12th, and uh, you would like to to attend that and find out what you can have done for you, just simply write uh, this station at info at bartsbooks.com, that's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com, and we will put you in touch with Leadership USA. And speaking of Wise leadership's moves, let's... uh, I invite you to ride your agile mind right back with mine onto the wise, into the wise graces of the innovative CFO for all seasons, <laughs> Ms. Eileen Zathalis, and learn a little bit more how we can tap into these assets of the accounting realm that we're not doing as well as we might do. Eileen, what about dealing with investors? I, I know that the CFO and even in a mid-sized firm, everyone is is working to get more. Uh, a, a better fit with investors, of course, they're ca- cashing for for more money. Where does the, the firm's financial leader fit in in all of this when it comes to funders and shareholders and so forth?
1: I, I think that that's one of the more important roles that the CFO has because, after all, without the funders, you don't have much of a business, you know, unless you went out and borrowed all the money to do it.
0: Right. So, uh-huh.
1: I, I think many companies particularly or within <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> companies that have <laughs> many companies that have investors have board of directors, right? And typically right, the yeah. CFO prepares the board report and is frequently the negotiator for borrowing and large equipment right. purchases and planning strategy. Even surprisingly enough, CFOs get involved in marketing strategies even today.
0: I would think so. Now is it you? You've been in this situation. Is it a good idea for me, as a CEO, to have uh, my CFO with me when I make uh, investor presentations? To is it is it wise to refer uh, investors or potential investors or shareholders to my CFO? Is that is that a good move generally, or, or should I be wary of that?
1: No, I. I think it's a good move because CFOs have the good sense to say the right things to investors. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I don't think that there's a concern there. But I do think that one of the most valuable relationships in business for the C suite is for the CEO and the CFO to really be business friends and respectful no. of each other and and to just let everybody know, hey, we're cool together, all of us.
0: Right. That's, yeah, that's absolutely true. I think it is. Uh, I think it's something that needs to be done. We need to have, have, you have to not only work together, you have to make plain that you two are together. So you, you have the feeling, you, you cannot have a whiff of division, particularly between the leadership or the management of a company and the, the financial end. Uh, you, you're right. It's, it's, that would be the kiss of death, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. And frequently yeah. it does happen, unfortunately.
0: Uh, I was yeah. I was in yeah.
1: situations where there is oh. an interim CFO that that had uh-huh. been the case. They just couldn't get along with each other.
0: Oh boy, and and you there, you can't hide that intention. You 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 can't no. hide it. Yeah, and it does no good. Well, now when you, when you were uh, speaking of uh, some of your experiences, you you were uh, working for mortgage banks, and you did something that uh, every everyone should have in their decision making arsenal. You you developed a system that figured out how to report to management the full and complete cost of of regular employees. These are not necessarily money makers but the whole things, and It it became uh, fairly. uh, fairly, uh, It has come into fairly standard use. Tell us about that. How did you? How did you do this reporting? What did you do?
1: Well, it it was actually. It was more than just the employees. It was only the loan officers that this focused on. But it also. What I did was, I had been a programmer, in my very young years. And mainframes, so I had a lot of programming knowledge, but I didn't have time to learn how to use Access database. But I knew that I wanted a database. And so I actually stumbled over an unemployed programmer who had been part of the team that built Morgan Stanley's bond trading platform to an SQL database. Yeah. And so what we did was we figured out how to capture all the information off the HUD. We made a very concise input sheet, which we then had our receptionist take and read all the pertinent information from the HUD, so we trained her where to find the information. That information was fed into the access database. That database is stable, so it's the same number on that particular sale, no matter when you look at it, okay? uh, Nobody right. can change it, and that's what I wanted. And so its solid, did, it's
0: easy, it's—it's all—it's all—it it fits in with everybody else. It's standardized, right?
1: It's—it's it's totally well. It's standardized. It, it goes in based on what the program said it was supposed to do. Where it was supposed to land, right? Right. And, and and so then we also because my programmer had filed to be a developer f- for QuickBooks. They used to do that a lot in those years. And he. so we had a backdoor into QuickBooks. So we could actually take, we could program our database to receive information out of there that was important to the firm. So it took out all the, all the money went to the branch that generated it. Then, in another pass, it was calculated what went back to management. So we took that away from the firm. And we calculated uh, all, all of the loan officers' compensation per loan based on their each wow. of their own agreements.
0: Oh my and gosh, that, wow. So, so nothing is, you, you really made it transparent and, and helped. You, you turned a lot of the decisions into no brainers, I guess.
1: Yes. Because that also generated two management reports, one for corporate and one for the branches, and uh, we knew exactly how much we made off of every single loan.
0: Oh my gosh, now that's boy! I need one of those.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, if well, the best thing uh, was the banking auditors loved yeah? it. <laughs>
0: Oh, I bet they did. I bet they did. Uh, <laughs> as long as you're honest, it would be fabulous. Uh, if, <laughs> Eileen, I'd love to go on a while, but uh, I'm afraid we're, we're we're coming out to the end of time here. Uh, oh if, my gosh. if I'm a mid-sized firm between one and five million, and I need some expert advice, how can I get a hold of Eileen Zethalis or, or avail myself of the Nerdy Bookkeeper Plus?
1: It's just Eileen at thenerdybookkeeper.com.
0: All righty. I will put that down. And uh, now, uh, I thank you so much for coming on here. This has been been great fun to have you. And, boy, have I learned a lot. So, I thank you.
1: Always a delight. Thank you.
0: Oh, that's good. Well, as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. And that is, who was the individual who said... Humanity is the virtue of a woman. Generosity is the virtue of a man. But first of all, before we give you a hint, what do you think, Eileen? Is that so? Uh,
1: I think women are very humane,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I've known.
1: <laughs> and I've noted men seem to fall in, into the ranks of either being generous or tightwad. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: and the tight ones... The the, the tightwad <laughs> men I, I can assure you are not going to get the humane or or uh, or any kind of women. So it's, let me just put you that put that right out to you guys. <laughs> anyway, as a hint, uh, this, our. The the hint of the person, the author of this silly quote, is uh, it was this this Scottish economist was the first one to blend money with moral principles and make us all a little bit richer for it. So if you know the author of this quote, just scribble that author's name down as you believe him or her to be and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's INFO at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely life and career igniting gift from the dungeons of Barts Books Bookstore. And be sure to tune in next week as we take our traditional Yuletide special report from Progress at the North Pole, brought to us by Santa's Chief Health, the ever-giving, lovable and laughable, Miss Jeannie Murphy. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, we have made the act of purchasing so easy and nearly innate that I fear most folks no longer see the connection between how much money they spend and how much money they have. And to you, gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the art of the CEO as much as Eileen and I have enjoyed laughing through it with you. (laughs) And uh, I hope uh, that that, that to all of you who have gleefully shared our feast, uh, I wish you a good coming holiday. And to you who have honored us with your time, may I say as always, it has been a privilege and I thank you.